I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome, Vicki. It's exciting to have you back again today, and I know you have a special guest here with us. I do. I'm really happy to once again have Judy Christman Yates with us. Judy is a criminologist. She has been on our show before. She's tried to explain Bitcoin to us, which I still find <laughs> puzzling. Very abstract but, to me too, Vicki. I yeah. understand. <laughs> but I'm not very tech savvy, so there you go. But she did a good, a good job giving us the basics. Anyway, Judy writes a wonderful financial exploitation newsletter, which I am lucky to get every month, and she updates us on the latest scams that are going on and other things that we need to know about. And the latest newsletter, which came out in October of this year, talked about a couple of things that I thought I should share with our listeners. These are things that are important and a couple of ones that I didn't know about. So welcome, Judy. It's great to have you back on our show. I'm going to dive right in here to your newsletter. The first item talks about how to protect your home from deed theft. Now, this caught my eye because, quite honestly, I don't know what deed theft is. So could you start there? What is deed theft? When you buy a home or any piece of property, then you get a deed. And that deed is filed in the county where the property happens to be. And it has your name on it and it's proof of ownership. So it's something that has been around forever. It's on file with your county. Um, You can actually go online for free and uh, check out uh, your deeds and see how they're doing, what names are on them and that type of thing. Um, So deed fraud, of course, the fraudsters are always without money. And any way they can go after it, that's what they're doing. So deed fraud is different than mortgage fraud. Mortgage fraud means that there's some lying going on about trying to get the loans and that sort of thing. Deed fraud means that someone probably has gone and stolen your personal information, your identity, and they try to become you and they go to online sometimes and they try to uh, change all the deed signatures and who the ownership happens to be and steal your property that way. Well, how do they go about doing that? How can they assume your identity to get in to steal your property through getting your deed? I don't even understand how that would work. What do they have to know about you and provide in order to have that happen? Well, as you know, all of our information is on Internet. So they can find your social security number, your name. There are all types of ways to get identity. Identity theft has been around for a long time. Right. And um, they just use that information. And what they're doing now is they're focusing on trying to get your home. Because you typically go after somebody that has a buildup of of cash in that home. So uh, that they can go after the equity. Um, Another way that they get it, besides stealing your identity and trying to become you, is that they can send you information on internet, phishing, phishing with a PH. They send you things that lead you to believe that you're going to get something or change something, and they're looking for your identity once again. 
So those are phishing scams. You've talked about those on the uh, Scam Squad a number of times. Another way that it is happening that we have to be really careful of is now with technology, there are tools out there that are called, for example, DocuSign. That is a very legitimate business. DocuSign is, instead of having to go into your realtor and sign papers, they can send you things on internet. And you have to be careful because scammers are going after realtors and trying to, through phishing, they're trying to look like websites for honest-to-goodness realtors. And um, the fact that uh, property is being sold is public information. So you can go out and find out. It always comes down to knowing who you're dealing with. And, for example, if um, you get something online from your realtor, you need to call the realtor. Do not call the number that's shown on that document that was sent to you because you really can't trust it anymore. So going back to the first way, they can actually file paperwork with, if they have enough information about you, can they actually file paperwork with the county's registrar of deeds to transfer ownership of your property to themselves? That's correct. If you have become somebody else, identity theft, then you have all the documents and they can create, uh, for example, a driver's license that, you know, with your number that looks like has their picture on it, essentially just as simple as becoming you and um, using that information. And it's a lot easier now because before you would have to go into uh, the county office and make changes. But now nobody sees you. So it's all online. That's why it makes you more vulnerable. I did, in a presentation I gave one time, I had a gentleman that was about 95 and he said, well, you know, what do I care You know, I mean, I don't have enough for anybody to steal. And it's a matter of, you know, you do have your home. You have your reputation. Right. You always need to, you know, be checking your credit reports. And you need to stay alert as to uh, the mail that's coming to you. If something looks suspicious, then you need to go check it out. And it turns out that um, you can actually go down to uh, the county you can check on on your deed, or you can go online. So, for example, for Santa Barbara, go to the county clerk's office, the Santa Barbara County Clerk, and that's where they have um, recorded the facts, the registrar and all, and that's where you find that information. So you can apply online. So when you see how easy that is to do online, then I think you're going to become even more concerned how easy it is for someone to go and try to steal your house. And And so they could do that. They could change ownership of my property to themselves, and I would not know that it had happened. Unless you're checking your um, credit reports, your credit report would then show you that that there is a loan on there, that they've taken money out of your house and now are making payments. So it's just another reason to check that credit report. Another way, it's questionable. It's certainly not ethical, and that is um, in L.A. I had a gentleman that had owned his home and raised seven children in that home. And his stepson had uh, asked him to be put on his deed for the house because he wanted to get a loan and uh, buy some more property. And this was before 2008. And the stepson went and borrowed so much money against that house. And uh, the gentleman did not pay any attention until 
the house was foreclosed on and he actually lost the house. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I just wanted to say, I'm assuming this is becoming a much bigger problem because they're doing national commercials about it. They'll show an older person on television we thought we owned our home. We've been paying on it for years. And they're referring to this. So I'm wondering if this problem is becoming more widespread. It certainly is. And um, another simple example is a couple that did not speak English very well asked their house cleaner if she would assist them in filling out the paperwork because they wanted to take out a second and get some of the money out of their house and use it. The young woman that was assisting them, filled out all the paperwork, and um, mailed it in. And it came back that they did receive $400,000 for their home as equity. And the young woman told the, the couple, it didn't go through. They didn't get any money. Sorry. The loan was turned down. And one more time, that's certainly unethical. In that case, it was also illegal. Are you saying that she took the money, but she told them that their loan was turned down? Is that what happened? Yes, correct. Okay. However, if they had been checking their credit reports regularly, then as soon as, because when you borrow that money, it says that, of course, you're making loan payments back, but it shows up on your credit report. Is that really the only way to protect yourself against somebody going in, transferring ownership of property to themselves? I mean, how can you protect yourself from this happening other than checking your credit report all the time? Well, hopefully we're checking it all the time anyway. You should be checking the bills that come in and see what if any strange information is coming to you. Our services that you can pay, you can actually check with the lenders if you know if you don't own your home outright. There are some things that you can do, and this is fairly new, that is lock down that deed, pretty much like the credit report. The credit reports, we've told everyone they really ought to freeze your credit reports. When you do that, it's as simple as you call each of the three credit reporting agencies and um, they give you a PIN number. So it's just one more step. It doesn't mean that it changes anything. It's one more step. So someone can't go in there and change things. Well, this is very disturbing. You also mentioned something that is called a consumer notification service that some counties have. What is that? I checked online, and there are different places in the United States that are allowing you to lock your deed down. So it's protection that is being provided by your county. You just need to go to the county clerk's office online or the county where you reside and see what they have to protect you. It's fairly new, so not all of them have it. Okay, good to know. So... Another thing, Judy, that you talked about in this newsletter was the Visa credit card scam. And explain to us what this scam is and and how it begins. Does it begin with a phone call or does it begin with a text or how does it all unwind? Well, typically it starts at the phone call and it could be Visa, MasterCard, any credit card. They're all the same. The scam works the same way. The scammer calls and basically call you by name. Because once again, they have some of your information. It turns out that they have your name. They may even have your credit card number. But what they're missing is that three-digit code on the back of your card. You need to protect that three-digit code all of the time. That is the key to unlocking that credit card, dealing online or on a phone call. So in this case, the scammer calls and says something like, 
oh, I'm calling from the security department, you know, a visa or MasterCard, and my badge number is 1234. They do that to give you extra credibility. And it says your credit card has been flagged with an unusual purpose. So the person's calling and they have your name. What they do not have is your three-digit code, but they have your number. And uh, they say, uh, we're calling from the uh, fraud department at Visa. And uh, your card has been flagged for an unusual purchase. So we're just calling you to verify it. And so, you know, we'd like to uh, check this out. And they may even say something like, there has been a $437 charge in Arizona at the Walmart store for a TV. Of course, the person's going, oh, well, I'm in California, wherever you happen to be. So, no, of course, it's not mine. So, the scammer will, you know, continue with the fraud investigation and say, well, we're starting this fraud investigation. And so, what we want to make sure is that you have the card in your possession. And, of course, the person goes, oh, yes, of course I do. And they'll say, well, you know, we know that the first four numbers of this card tells us what type of card it is. And they'll just give you a lot of information. They overwhelm you with information. But then the bottom line comes, well, just verify those three digits on the back of your card so that we know it's your card. That is the entire scam. Give me those three digits. Because once they have the credit card information, which they can get from a variety of places, they do still need that three-digit code. So never give that to anyone. And by the way, the credit card company, all of them say, they will never call you or send you an email or a text asking you for any information on your credit card because they already have that information. They right, may, right, yeah. They may call good, good point, yeah. They will call and ask you about a purchase. Um, like, did you buy a TV in Arizona? No, I didn't. All right, but they don't need to ask you any personal information. They already have that in the record. So that is a big red flag. If they start to ask you for personal information, that is a big red flag that this is a, a scammer. And, and if they ask you for that security code, that really is the biggest red flag. Don't ever give that out unless you've made the phone call to your credit card company and they're trying to verify that you are who you say you are. Exactly. And I don't want you to use that number that shows up on a text or an email. If you think that there's a problem with a, a credit card purchase, you go to your credit card. Look at the number yeah. on the back of that card and call directly. You know, this happened to me visa email. I got an email from somebody claiming to be from my credit card company asking if me if I'd made three different purchases at Bed Bath & Beyond. And I looked at them and I thought, no, I haven't been to Bed Bath & Beyond for quite a while. Those are not purchases that I made, but it got my attention and I thought, oh my goodness, well, maybe somebody's got my card. So what I did, rather than clicking on the link, which they wanted me to do, to put me through to quote the fraud department, is I just called the number on the back of my card and they said, oh no, that was not us. There are no purchases to Bed Bath & Beyond on your card. That was probably a scammer. So yeah, it happens. If you get one of these calls, Judy, what should you do? Well, first of all, it's come down to it. We cannot trust any email or any text or any call from somebody that you do not know, including okay. the card company. You cannot. 
No longer is it trust and verify. Now it's do not trust, but always verify. Let's say that you've answered the phone because it looks like bank or whatever it happens to be, then you need to take your time and you need to say, um, thank you very much. Um, I'm sure I will take care of this. You know, uh, this is something I need to check on. Um, what you, you can even ask them what their number is, but don't. Never call their number. If they're scammers, they're always giving you bad information, in, misinformation. So do not trust, but verify. Okay, and verify using the number on your card, not any number that they give you pretending it's their fraud hotline or something. Exactly. That's one direction you can go. Another direction that you can go is you can go get on your computer and go to Google or do a search engine, and you can type that phone number in or that email address and put scam after it. You don't even need to put parentheses or hyphens. Put the number in and put scams. And nine times out of ten, you will find that people have already posted information on the Internet to tell you that it's a scammer. When it comes to financial institutions or utilities or whatever it is, listen to what they say. Say, thank you very much. Give me your phone number. You might just say that to be nice. You don't have to do that. And then you go away and you check using valid credentials like statements that they've sent you or the number on the back of your card. Good advice. So the last thing I wanted to ask about, and I've heard this happen, of the phone calls that I get on my fraud hotline, sometimes people tell me, well, these scammers scared me so much and they were making threats. They were telling me all these terrible things that could happen if I didn't do what they said. And the last item on your newsletter talks about why scammers turn to threats. So tell us about that, Judy. Why do scammers turn to threats? Well, as human beings, always fight or flight. If we have a situation, we're always looking at the situation and going, do I stay here and deal with it or should I run away to be safe? And we know that our brains react to negative stress and anxiety and we go into this fight or flight mode. And so we're not always thinking clearly. You cannot think of everything that comes across and when you're dealing with phone calls and have you, there's not even anything visual there. So it makes it even more difficult. So scammers put you into high gear by stressing you out. And then if they use threats like injury or saying that you're being held for extortion or they're going to post something on a porn site, whatever it happens to be, all of a sudden your brain once again is kicking even into a higher mode. So what you really need to do is you need to take a deep breath and you need to make a list where you need to talk to someone else because you need time to think about what's going on. If you remember in the, the times when we were growing up and we heard these stories about car dealerships and ways that marketing you know, held our interest, we already know that for car dealerships, especially used cars, but even new ones. We know that you should never make a purchase as soon as you go in. You need to go away when it comes to buying vacuums or whatever it happens to be through the years. There are contracts. And you had sometimes a 24, 48-hour uh, cooling off period to think about it. It's because your brain needs time to think. But we don't have that anymore. Things have changed. And the scammers keep you on high alert 
so you cannot think clearly. There is an extortion, a kidnapping scam that happens on the phone where somebody will call and they will have somebody in the background scream and you will automatically, you think you know who it is, and you will automatically say their name. That's just how we respond. You'll go, oh, Mary, is that you? And the scammer will say, yes, we have Mary, and you do not hang up this phone. You cannot talk to anyone. And should anything ever happen when you're using your telephone, please remember that if you are on a smartphone, if you are on a phone call, you can be on that phone call and not hang up and still always send a text. Send a text to your loved one. Are you there? Get someone to help you. Do not do this alone because brains just respond. That's good advice. And in fact, last week we had a lovely lady on our show who was a senior citizen and she fell prey to the social security scam. There's something wrong with your social security card. It's been connected to a crime. We're calling from law enforcement. We're going to help you get out of this, but you need to pay some money, blah, blah, blah. And they had her so scared and they had her on the line all the while pretending they were trying to help her, but that she had to hurry, hurry, hurry. Things had to happen quickly. And she had such anxiety over this that, first of all, she didn't have time to talk to anybody like her son, who finally did intervene in some fashion and figure out what was going on. But she ended up with heart palpitations and had to go into the hospital. So it really is dangerous. And sometimes these scammers use fear and use threats all the while pretending like they're trying to help you. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. As always, you've given us some very good information, some food for thought, and different ways that we can protect ourselves. You were very articulate, and I know you're going to help a lot of people with this great advice. Thanks. I enjoyed talking to both you ladies today. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks, Patty. Okay. Bye. Oh, 